Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the CEO of .orgsource and the host of this week's podcast. I am here today with Al Spada, the Executive Director of the National Council of Structural Engineers Association. Al is a high-energy visionary leader with an inspiring leadership style and is a graduate of Northwestern University and has an MBA from the University of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today, Al. I'm really excited to talk to you about your leadership, um, and especially over the past uh, couple of years uh, through this pandemic. Um, so tell us a little bit about you and the organization. Thanks, Sherry. Really excited to be here. Uh, it's always fun to talk about my organization and associations. Um, National Council of Structural Engineers Associations. Yes, it's a mouthful, but we're here to serve the structural engineering marketplace. We're really here for the people working in the structural engineering field every day. Um, for the specifics for the association world, 10,000 members, about 3 million in revenue. Um, we do a lot of the typical association things, events, publications, uh, webinars, books, all those kinds of things. So tell me a little bit about your experience leading this organization through the disruption that it has occurred over the past couple of years. Uh, personally, uh, my experience has been about adding 50 pounds and a more <laughs> gray hair than I could ever imagine. Um, it has definitely taken its toll personally. Uh, from a professional perspective, I honestly am shocked uh, where we've ended up as the, after these two years. You know, when it first started, three, four months in, we were panicked like everybody else. Are we going to be around? What are we going to do? Is our new model going to work? All those good things. And when I say new model, um, I'm really proud of the fact that we transitioned immediately within those first couple of weeks. We knew that our annual events weren't going to happen. Our face-to-face -face wasn't going to happen. Um, and we were lucky in that our market relies on PDHs big time. So we transitioned immediately to really heavy webinars, seminars, web-based stuff that was really fitting their desire to learn. They want the technical content. They want to know how things are going to improve in their profession. They want to know how to build buildings better. So we took advantage of that. We were already one of the leaders in the field and we just dove into it head on and tripled our content and really the industry supported us. Um, so that allowed us to weather the storm the first year. And then we just built on that in the second year, put out more and more content, both in print or in digital versions, as well as web content with seminars, et cetera. Um, and when I say we weathered the storm, our first year revenue was down somewhere around 40, 50%. We didn't have our annual meeting. All those kinds of things just didn't happen, but we still didn't lose money in year one. And then year two, our revenue is still down 20%, but it looks like our profits are going to be up 40, 50% overall. And as a nonprofit, that's a great thing. We were able to start new initiatives because we had a little more time. We were able to do things we weren't able to do in previous years because we were worried about annual meetings and things that took up a lot of time. So ultimately, we've come through it. Our staff is exhausted. Um, I, like I said, am 50 pounds heavier. Um, but 
we're excited that we're re-emerging right now with annual events and face-to-face stuff that's the key part of associations in a much stronger place than we were when we entered it because we know we have new avenues, new opportunities that can complement the previous successes that we're going to bring back. Yeah, well, it really sounds like you guys were very agile and and sounds like you had the support of the leadership to be able to pivot pretty quickly, um, which has enabled you guys to to continue on those new opportunities and virtual opportunities. And and has it kind of helped you kind of expand your membership reach? It has. Uh, I can really say that we've reached countries we've never touched before. We've reached languages we've never touched before. Um, it's really unique what happens when you got to find new customers. You start scrounging around everywhere. <laughs> Where are our contacts? What can we do to expand this market? And yet there were plenty in the U.S. to go after, plenty in Canada to go after, plenty in Mexico to go after. So NAFTA was taken care of, but really opportunities in Europe and Asia. And I found some countries logging into our webinars that I had to look up in a in an in a encyclopedia online to try to figure out. And that shows my age because I just said encyclopedia online. <laughs> Um, I had to look up on Wikipedia to try to find out where some of these countries were. Um, our board was very supportive of what we were trying to do. They understood that we had to put some projects on hold. We had a big digital transformation project that had to be put on hold for basically a year and a half. Um, we had some other staffing things that we had to put on hold for a year and a half. Uh, the result of those was not great because now we're starting them now and we're two years behind where we should have been. Uh, but we couldn't expose ourselves by those high-level expenses when we weren't quite sure what revenues were going to be. I'd love to have that stuff now, but the leadership understood it was time to hold back, focus on our core, see what we could succeed with. And after a year of focusing on our core, we started expanding it, and we really have determined we have a new core. So in the end, I hate to say it, but the COVID will have been a blessing for the organization in some ways. Personally, not. My staff would kill me if they heard me saying that. Uh, But the reality is we've diversified in a way that we couldn't have if we had just kept going the way we were going. And the way we were going was really good. But now it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It made us uh, and every association kind of move pretty quickly and accelerate some of the things that we probably had planned years (laughs) down the road. Right. And um, uh, so I think there is a lot of positive things coming out of it. But, yeah, there has been. I'm seeing, hearing that all around that everyone's really tired of (laughs) at this point. So, uh, but it's time to maybe give them a little bit of a break, but then, as you said, start these um, and, and move forward with the things that, that were in the plans prior to the disruption that occurred. Um, So Alan, a slightly different um, topic or thought is, has the pandemic experience changed your thoughts on the future of the association industry at all? It has, but in a positive way. Um, I fully appreciated the importance of people getting together face-to-face. You can't be in association life and not have experiences where you look and say, wow, those two got to meet or those potential partners sat down over a cup of coffee and forged that next million-dollar deal. But I truly didn't appreciate the importance of that until going through the pandemic And people were not able to get together and they were longing to get together. And they were words, um, but we're just coming off our annual meeting last week. And it's the first one we held face to face in 
two years. And while our attendance was about 50% of what it would have been back in 2019, people were happier than I have ever seen them Mm -hmm. at an association event. Our event was good. It was well, it was well run. It was successful, but we're not talking. It was the greatest event in the history of the world. It was just a well-run event, but the people were acting as if we had just brought them to heaven. Like they were surrounded (laughs) by millions of dollars and sweets and food all the time. And they were at the hotel, but it really reinforced even more through experience that we have to bring people together. And I, yeah, networking is great, but we were able to set up meetings to enhance the supply chain between the structural engineers and their vendors in a way we've never done before. And that's always been a growth point for us is being much stronger and connecting our suppliers to their customers. But ultimately this was done in some ways that hadn't been done before. And they were so thankful of us to do that. The mentoring that we did to get the young and the older structural engineers together was stronger at this event than we ever have. And we saw the fruits of those. These are not unique concepts, but the idea was that we stepped them up a level to ensure they happened even more successfully in the past. And people were more thankful than they've ever been. We're seeing the surveys coming in and our reviews and scores are through the roof. And honestly, we look at it and say, the event was good, but It's really that fact that they haven't seen each other for two years. They're now together again, and we're bearing the benefiting from the results of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, And I agree that the uh, people are anxious or not anxious, but excited to to get together and um, and associations being able to facilitate that is is a great thing. So what do you see are the opportunities for associations in the future? For me, it is really focusing us, and I'll focus on us, is that supply chain concept. You have your, always have your immediate customers, your members, and that's our traditional group. Okay, we're serving them. And then everyone often has the exhibitors or suppliers that serve that main membership base. But to me, it's taking it that other way, which is figuring out the customers of your customer. So in our case, the structural engineers, the customers are the architects the building owners, the building officials, and really becoming a key connector of the full supply chain and delivering as much to our customer's customer as we are to our customer itself. I've always been very wary of banking too much on membership dues as a revenue source. I know it's a traditional model. I know a lot of associations have gotten away from it. And my association still attributes too much of its revenue to membership dues. So we are really exploring the ways to create that supply chain. So the supplier to the structural engineer ultimately can connect to the customer of the structural engineer. And then true purchasing decisions are being made based on the best products to help create those structures, those buildings, those bridges that our structural engineers are producing. And if we can connect those groups together in a way that they've never done before, it'll really differentiate our value. And that's not going to be with membership towers. Our customer's customer is not going to become a member of our association. Never going to happen. Yeah, a small fraction will. But ultimately, they're going to get involved for the education. They're going to get involved to understand the products that are being developed for them. They're going to get involved for the opportunity to network and learn and improve the buildings that they're designing. And that's going to come because we're providing value. 
membership dues aren't going to happen. They're going to come to us when we need us. So we need to be developing the content for them. We're developing the place where they can come and network. It's really something unique in this market that hasn't been done yet. And we see a tremendous opportunity to do it by being a resource to a group. They don't know we're one yet, but we slowly develop our materials and our information and our education, and they'll start turning to us. And then once they turn to us, we've got them. And we can truly bring together that supply chain will ultimately create the best value for our number one customer, which is the structural engineers. So what do you think are the challenges that you're going to have getting there? (laughs) Everything related to marketing. Yeah. Um, Whether it's simple things like lists, getting the names, securing the names that are necessary to put our information out there, creating brand awareness within that community. Um, We don't have a whole lot of brand awareness right now. We need to get to it. They already have a very, our customer's customer has very strong associations in that sphere. So how do we differentiate ourselves from their already associations? But more importantly, how do we partner with some of those associations and provide value to them so they in turn have help us provide value to their customers? So when you're starting from very, very low in terms of what you're providing, there's a lot of growth that has to happen. But the great thing is just a little effort is starting to bring in great results. And you're going to see that. That first, you know, 10, 50, 100, 10, excuse me, 10, 20, 30% that we have to achieve is going to bring in tremendous results because it's never been done before. And nobody else is doing it in this marketplace. So the biggest challenge is, like I said, creating those partnerships, creating brand awareness when none of that exists. So we're starting from scratch. And people are always looking at you. What do you want from this? Yeah. What are you trying to gain? There's always that little bit of skepticism that we're trying to pull something over on them. And truthfully, I've learned in associations, we can truly come at things from a holistic purpose because that's what our goal is. We're serving a profession. We're supporting a profession. Everything doesn't have to be about generating revenue. So the key with associations is we can look at this from a holistic perspective, a truly do-gooder type of approach where we're looking at this and saying, we just want to help our audience. We want to help your audience, your customers. Let's not worry about revenue right away. Let's just focus on building some partnerships, exchanging some information, trying to help people. Because I ultimately believe if we look at it from the long play, revenue will follow if you provide a quality service. I know if you're a for-profit, it's a very different approach. For a nonprofit, it allows us to do some of that long-term approach that maybe you can't do when you have to generate revenue right away. And so take that holistic approach when you're going after these things. It is an obstacle because you're going to have to be willing to shell out a little time and money without seeing anything coming back. But I believe if you're doing it, what's right for your profession and what's right for the industry, ultimately it'll pay you back tenfold to what you invested in those first couple of years. So Al, what do you think is the one of the most important things that leaders can do right now to position their organizations for success? I learned from a previous leader that I served under that you have to surround yourself with quality people. In essence, people that are better than you. And when yeah. I say that is you want to look at it from the perspective of the disciplines that you need. Maybe you're an expert in sales and marketing or communications. Okay, you still want someone strong in sales and marketing communications working with you, but maybe you're a little bit 
less skilled in accounting and finance. Maybe you aren't an IT person. Maybe your HR skills stink like mine do. When you look at that, you need strong people in those areas to support you as much as possible and to support the organization as much as possible. You put them in place and then you just let them fly and you get the heck out of the way. I, there's this previous uh, leader of mine, when I originally met him, I honestly didn't know if he was going to make it. Um, he, he wasn't strong in a ton of areas. He didn't have some of those qualities that initially you'd say show a great leader. But what he did was notice around himself with good people and let him do the work. And he managed it. And he managed it from an HR perspective. And when you're young, you think you have to do everything yourself and everything right and have all the answers and drive everything. And that's foolish because it's absolutely impossible to have every answer. People think they do. They're absolutely wrong. So this right now I've learned is more important for associations than absolutely ever, as it's hard to find really good people right now. You need to surround yourself. And that doesn't mean you have to hire them. Outsourcing is truly a great opportunity. If you can find someone who does it really well, but on an outsourced basis and can build a relationship, that can be just as amazing. You have to be able to manage it all, and that's tough. But uh, I've said the pandemic has taught me it's better to have someone that is amazing working at 100% than it is to have you know, 20 people that are working at 40% not doing a great job. Pay the people, pay them well, and bring in the skill sets you need and then let them go. Just don't stand in their way. Easier said than done, Sherry, of course. Yeah, yeah. I have to remind myself of that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how do you see or do you see association business models changing? Yes, I, I really do. We talked earlier about the membership due concept. I really believe membership dues are a thing of the past. I really believe we have to focus on other revenue streams. The generations that are coming in now don't care about associations, don't know what an association is, don't want to be involved in them, except when they need something. Mm-hmm. And when they need it, they're going to pay for it. So ultimately, You need to be open to anyone and support them when they have a need, because that's when they're going to come to you. Nobody sits here and thinks they're joining an association for the next 20 years of their career and building because people don't stay in the same career for more than a couple of years. That doesn't mean we get rid of membership dues. That doesn't mean it goes away. It just means we have to think of our organization as something very, very different than what we thought of it 5, 10, 20 years ago, depending on the market you're in. And it's hard to do, to wait there for someone to come. But if your brand is strong, if you're out there, they will find you and they will want resources that help them. And they'll want them in 24 hours or likely one hour. But yeah, have, right. that's what you have to be there for. So what about, um, you know, technology? Do you, how is technology continuing to change how associations operate? <laughs> I <laughs> I've learned some valuable lessons about technology in the last six years. Um, I came into the current organization, NCSEA, and on a scale of one to 10, I think we were still at a one level. We were chiseling out things as opposed to using computers. We were having abacuses on our desks 
instead of even calculators. It was a scary, <laughs> scary situation. Now that's the extreme, of course. We can talk about Zoom and everyone knows about it and everyone knows about Zoom fatigue, but we know how that's changed the world. But I take it a step further than that. And I'm not a technology expert, but I have seen just by implementing basic software that's out there, I've seen an increase in productivity of tenfold by eliminating these manual processes. Okay, anybody who knows technology, and I see Sherry's probably laughing at me right now because this is some of the most basic statements. But if you do the right research and you implement basic tools, you unleash power, especially when you have the right personnel in place. People who are trying to do things efficiently, trying to push the envelope, get things done. They have a great CRM. It's amazing the tool that they have. One click and they pull up the entire history of a customer and are able to send off an email, track that email. It's amazing to me. For abstract submissions or for any type of uh, proposals, you have the proper system for someone to be able to submit something, have the review committee go in. It's amazing the power and what it does to allow you to achieve things you've never achieved. We all joke that, Everything has had to go to Zoom and web, et cetera. But even think of that. Do you have the right cameras that you're using? Do you have the right platform to use? Is your conference using the right system? Is it what your attendees know how to use? For us, we have an extremely older demographic that we're serving as our main customer base. They don't want a lot of bells and whistles when they're going in working on their event platform. They don't want 87 choices. They want to click once, get to what they want to get to and be done with it. So we know we have to use a more streamlined system. They still want to be able to use it. They just want to use it easy. Other groups, very different. So I think I've strayed from your question a little bit, Sherry, and, and how technology is going to change things. For us, we're doing two huge investments right now. First is people. We are bringing in high quality people to perform the jobs that they're meant to perform. I don't want jack of all trades. Yeah, an association, everyone has to help in different areas, but I want experts in marketing. I want experts in finance. I want experts in HR. I want experts in IT. They have to do a few other things, but I really want them focused there. And then the same thing on the technology side. I want to use the best event system that fits our needs. I want to use the best CRM that fits our needs. I want to use the best uh, abstract submission system that fits our needs, email system. And I can go through all of them, all of them. It's not best of class, I've been told. It's best of need. Mm -hmm. And I truly, truly understand that now, whether I'm talking about technology or whether I'm talking about people. And it's yeah. really that combination is going to set us up as a really small organization to continue to double our revenue every five years. We did it once before, we're gonna do it again now that we're out of the pandemic. And those are the two things that are gonna allow us to do it. As you can tell, I'm not an IT person. I can barely talk about it, but I can talk about it from a general perspective and know what we need. I'm just not going to get into the details of how we need it because that's why I have the experts to figure it out. Yeah, I don't think that at this point in your career, you need to be worried about like data conversion or anything else. I think <laughs> you're good. <laughs> um, but, but it is, I think the statement is, you know, and we always talk about that too, is 
it's not just the technology, but the people, your people and your process, and then technology being that enabler to really help you grow and expand. And um, we work with organizations that we're seeing so much manual process. And sometimes even they have the right tools, but they're not utilizing them. So I think that's really important. And as we're, we are growing and we're in this midst of, um, what are they, are they calling it? The great recession, or I don't know, not enough people or not enough people wanting to work. I don't know what it is. But anyway, um, really being able to have tools to automate things too and, and ensuring that that user experience for your members is seamless so you're not getting a ton of customer service calls and you're not having to go in and spend the time helping them because you're making it easy for them to do business with you. I think you know that has been something that, that I've talked about for many, many years is if we're not making that user experience easy for our customers, um, you know, that's going to be a detriment to, to the organization. So, um, so it's a great point about both people and the technology that you made. Um, so I guess as we wrap up today, Al, I know that you're really busy and have a, a lot going on, so I don't want to keep you, but um, anything else before we kind of wrap up um, today? Any other thoughts? So my last comment is we are still one of those organizations that is too spreadsheet focused, too looking at things like we did 20 years ago and not looking to the future enough. We're short staffed like many of you are, all of those problems, but you just got to keep looking at that vision of what you're trying to achieve. Um, Sherry didn't reference it, but when she said spreadsheets, she was thinking of us because I think I have 87 <laughs> of them open on my desktop right now. But honestly, just keep looking to the future. We're coming out of the pandemic. Associations aren't going anywhere. It's just knowing what we have to be. And I have to remind myself every day of where we're trying to go, because when I get in the middle of that day, I get frustrated, lose everything. So just keep thinking of what you're trying to become. And ultimately, you will get there. I swear. You just got to keep working at it. Well, great. Thanks so much for your time today, Al. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. Dot.org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.